Welcome to Global Answers. Please join us as we discuss the relevance of God's eternal word relating to events in this day and what it means to you. And now, your hosts, Jeff and Lonnie Jenkins. Hello, friends. Welcome back to us. I'm Lonnie. And I'm Jeff. <clears throat> Greeting, friends. Glad to have you with us again. Yeah, we're delighted to be back. We're continuing a program that we started last week on the wise and foolish virgins, taking the wise and foolish virgins into the tribulation, showing who will and who won't be in the tribulation, and then who will and who won't be in the rapture, because they, they, the, the two subjects go right hand in hand. So as we, as we talked about last time, that the wise virgin is the one with oil in her lamp. She has received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The foolish virgin is a group of people who are virgin, clean living, Christian people, clean living, sanctified life, but yet lack the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And there are scriptures that can verify that out of 1 John. If we have time, we'll, we'll get into that to show you how you can have one without having the other. But I wanted to linger just a moment on, on the rapture because that's in the God's great sequence of events. The resurrection and the rapture are the things that are uh, dominant right in, right in front of us now. And uh, Jeff had some notes that he was talking to me about, about the rapture and how that there's three raptures in the Old Testament and three raptures in the New Testament. Would you mind sharing that, Jeff, yeah, with the sure. people? Some people may think that, uh, how can we even prove there will be a rapture? After all, I've heard before many times, well, the word rapture is not even in the Bible. And that's true. The word actually rapture isn't in the Bible, but the word caught up is in several places, and that means raptos, or to be caught away. So we find that, uh, in a sense, there are people that are already raptured. They're caught up in the Word of God. They're caught up in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The Bible says we're already seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We're already translated into the kingdom of His dear Son. Now that's, of course, obviously spiritually, in the Word, feeding on the Word, feeding on Christ. The Bible says that we're already in Christ. So then what is the rapture, Brother Jeff? Well, the rapture is just a change in the body. So we leave this body and we receive a change and we receive a glorified body. So a rapture, raptos, caught up in the moment of a twinkling of an eye. We find out that there was a man named Enoch who was raptured. Now, for those of you that believe the bride will go through the tribulation, the raptured group will go through the tribulation, we have to look at Enoch for just a moment. We find out that Enoch was the seventh from Adam generationally. We find out also that Enoch went up before the judgments of the flood. So Enoch was actually translated, and we find out why Enoch was translated. Enoch was translated or raptured because he had this testimony that he pleased God. Enoch was a revelated individual, and he walked with God, the Bible says, and was not, for God took him. So the key to the rapture is what? Walking with God. So what about those people that aren't walking with God? They're professed believers. They're Christians, uh, but they're not walking with God. We find out that Enoch was walking with God. They were journeying together in the Word. God would come down in the cool of the day, fellowship with his son Enoch, and they would fellowship around the Word of God. And the Bible says they were just taking a walk one day, and God said, listen, you're closer to heaven than you are to earth with regard to my Word and Spirit. Why don't you just come home with me? So Enoch was translated because he pleased God. He had faith. He had revelation. So Enoch is our first example of a rapture. He was bodily translated, taken from the earth. Then we find out that there was a man by the name of Elijah 
And we know the story of Elijah caught up in a chariot of fire. Enoch was also translated. He was also, or Elijah was also translated, not seeing death. There's going to be a people in our day, very soon, I believe, I hope soon, that are going to see a change in the body. There's going to be a people because of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection that are going to enjoy a rapture, a change in the body. People that, like Enoch, were walking with the word. Now remember, Enoch was taken up before the flood fell, before the waters of judgment fell. The bride is going to be taken up before the tribulation sets in, not during the tribulation. Why is that? And Brother Lonnie will elaborate in just a moment even more. We've already been judged. Why do we need to be judged again? Now, that we'll go into that a little bit more in detail. The third rapture was, in essence, Jesus Christ himself. He was the keystone linking the Old Testament to the New Testament. We find out that he died for our justification. He rose again, defeating death. He stayed with his disciples for a season, and then he was raptured from the earth. So Jesus is also our example. Our, the Son of God is our example. And if he was raptured, we're going to be raptured as well. You say, but Jesus went through the judgment. He was judged on the cross. That's a type of the bride being judged. No, that's just the point. Jesus took upon himself our judgment so that we wouldn't have to go through the judgment. God's not going to let his bride go through the tribulation. She's already been judged. The Bible's very clear about it. He that believeth my word, the scripture says very clearly, that they passed from death unto life and cannot come into condemnation. Condemnation is judgment. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be able to be raptured without going through the tribulation. That's God's plan. Enoch was raptured before the judgment. Jesus took upon himself our judgment. And Brother Lonnie, maybe we'll go into the three raptures in the New Testament. Brother Lonnie? Yeah, in the New Testament, we find if we uh, watch closely, and you can see it in Matthew 27, that when Jesus went up, the Old Testament saints that were qualified went up with him. So there's our <coughs> first rapture in the New Testament. So Jeff spoke of three in the Old, there's three in the New. And so the Old Testament saints went up with Jesus. That was the first uh, rapture in the New, uh, New Testament. And then the, uh, our own rapture that we're expecting most any day, that's the next one. And then in Revelations chapter 11, we find that those two prophets, they're called two witnesses. And if we look closely at their works, we see it's the works of Moses and the works mm -hmm. of Elijah. So it'll be apparently two men uh, anointed with the spirit of Moses and spirit of Elijah that will uh, bring the gospel, we'll call it that, to the 144,000 chosen Jews in Revelation chapter 11. And then they are killed, lie in the streets uh, three and a half days, and then they are physically uh, uh, awakened and caught up again. So there's our final rapture. So we got three in the Old Testament, three in the New Testament. But we were talking about not coming into condemnation and, the, and yet both groups, wise and foolish, professing Jesus. But it all hinges on this scripture that we have read to you if you've been with us so many times, and that's 1 John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, there's the key word. We have fellowship one with another. That's not you and I now. That's us and God individually as God because you could read above it that its subject is God. We fellow, have fellowship with God and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all, all, 100% all sin. 
So if we're walking in the light as he is in it, in New Testament light is God's fulfilled word. We, the, we've touched on this before, but once again, for those of you that haven't been with us, when John the Baptist was here fulfilling his part of scripture, Jesus referred to him as a great and shining light. When Jesus was fulfilling his part of scripture, he said that he was the light. When he was going to go away and the New Testament church was to be formed, he said, you, the believers, you are the light. When Paul, the Apostle Paul received his commission, he, he received the furtherance of the commission that had been allocated in the book of Isaiah as a light to lighten the Gentiles. And though Christ was the original light, it was Paul who carried that light to the Gentiles, so he was referred as a light to the Gentiles. So the, what is light? When God interprets his word by bringing it to pass, that's light when you see it. And so when you walk in what God is doing, recognize what God is doing in your day, there's total 100% full cleansing by the blood of, blood of Jesus Christ. And I want you to understand what full cleansing is. If I had, uh, let's say, a one-gallon bucket of Clorox bleach, but it's in glass, you can see through it. And now I take a drop of black ink and I drop it into the Clorox bleach. Where did it go? Can't find it. The bleach just totally dissolved the color, broke it down, sent it back into its elements. That's your blood, excuse me, your sins dropped into the blood of Jesus Christ, the perfect bleach that just obliterates sin. There is no sin against the believer because God is looking at us under the blood of Christ. So the, the sins can't even reach him. That's how, that's how Christians are counted as perfect in his eyes because we have a sacrifice, a blood sacrifice. But the key is not to just believe on Jesus of Calvary, though we do believe in that, but, to, we, but the path to the blood at shed at Calvary is to be in the light as he is in that light. Then there's total cleansing. That's the group that with the recognition of the light to your day, that puts you in union with the word, which is Christ. Christ has already been judged. So as soon as you're totally identified with Christ, you're totally identified with the judgment he paid at Calvary so then you immediately receive all the benefits of Calvary by being linked with the word for Christ is the word. I hope we got that. Now that's very, very clear. Now the next phase now, so we've got the wise and the foolish separated out. And then we talked about the rapture, which is coming near. We've explained that. And then there are those who will remain behind for the great tribulation. Now in the, in the Bible, it talks about tribulation. And, but it also talks about the day of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And these two run hand in hand. So to understand the tribulation a little bit, we'll, we'll just go ahead and read the scriptures that refer to the, the day of the Lord because that's, that's the, they're, they're one and the same, tribulation and the day of the Lord. It's a day, it's a day of God's wrath to be poured out on the earth for all the re, on all the rejectors of his, uh, of his word that he sent, which is always grace in each age. So... Out, there's many, many, many scriptures. If you have your Bible in a computer program, you can just type day of the Lord and then you'll find many scriptures referring to this, to this very same thing. Isaiah 13, uh, chapter, uh, verses six, six to nine. Howl ye 
for the day of the Lord is at hand. It shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. Therefore shall all hands be faint, and every man's heart shall melt, and they shall be afraid. Pangs and sorrows shall take hold of them. They shall be in pain as a woman that travaileth. They shall be amazed one at another. Their faces shall be as flames. That's embarrassment for having been left in this condition. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, cruel both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate. He shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. And then in uh, Amos and Joel, you can read it for yourself, Amos 5, uh, verses 18 to 20, and Joel uh, chapter 2, verses 11, the second half. And they all explain that the day of the Lord is cruel, vengeful, nothing good about it, all darkness, not light, and nobody really wants to be there. And the wrath of God is being poured out. But the wrath of God, God uses man. We find that, that God allows men to be anointed to do terrible things, while God himself maybe brings some bad things in the way of weather and, and these things and releases animals to uh, lose their fear of man. All this takes place in the tribulation, but, but, but there is a wicked one mm -hmm. that's going to be anointed in the tribulation to pour out his wrath. Mm -hmm. And it'll be just like Cain and Abel. Cain professed to be a believer. Abel professed to be a believer. Abel was the true believer. Cain was the make-believer. And Cain killed Abel. That's the type that runs all the way through the scripture. The, the false church persecutes the true church. The make-believer persecutes the true believer. It's never the other round. The true believer doesn't persecute. The true believer just stands in Christ. The make-believer persecutes the true believer. And we're going to watch it's going to happen in this age all over again as we see these uh, anointings taking place. And before I go on to a little bit further, I'll just pause a moment to see if Jeff has anything to add to this. Well, yeah. One, one comment while Brother Lonnie was talking came to our mind, and that is, is that you can be justified as a believer. Going to church, that means just as if you've never done it. Your sins are under the blood. You've gone perhaps to an altar. You recognize your need for Jesus Christ. But then there's a the next step. It's called sanctification. That means God takes the desire for sin out of your life. Then the next step is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We find out that Luther preached justification. Wesley preached sanctification. And then the baptism of the Holy Spirit has been reintroduced to the church today that a people can be born again. So you can be justified without being sanctified. And you can be sanctified without being filled with the Holy Ghost. May I interject yes. here from the, from the scripture just to uh, turn us back here. In 1 John chapter 5, verses 7 and 8, <clears throat> it says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. So therefore, the Father, the Word, which is the Son, and the Holy mm -hmm. Ghost. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost are one. And of course, their name is the Lord Jesus Christ. So these are one. So you can't have the Father without having the Son. You can't have the Holy Ghost without the Father and the Son. They are one. So when you've got one, you've got the other. Right. But now the next verse says, And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit and the water and the blood. These three agree in one. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't say they are one. 
So the, so the water, that's your first step, like he talked about, justified state, water baptism. And then the blood, we're sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ and the spirit, that's water baptism. They, they all testify to the one, which is Christ, mm -hmm. but they are not one. So you can have one without having the other. So the three ingredients to a natural birth, water breaks, blood comes forth, spirit of life enters the child. Sp uh, ingredients for the spiritual birth, water, the uh, washed by the water of the word, water baptism, uh, sanctified by the Amen. blood of Jesus Christ, spirit of life enters the child, a child of God, and then the birth is complete. Now just a baby. Now you have to growing in the word, growing in the word. So this is where you need to measure your own life. Mm -hmm. Where do you stand? Are you only a believer? Are you still uh, smoking, drinking, lying, cheating, stealing? You need sanctification. God can take those things out of your life. Not that it's a matter of you better change. God, change me. Amen. He's the potter. We're only clay. So change me, and then when God gets your vessel cleaned up, he can fill it with the Holy Ghost by bringing you into the light of the hour that you walk in the light as he is in that light, bringing, bringing birth to the soul, the transformed life. So our three stages. Ezekiel 36 trans, uh, tells us the same, same thing, that it, it breaks it down into the three steps again. I'll wash mm -hmm. you with clean water. That's the word it says, and then I'll put a new spirit in you, that sanctification, and then I'll give you my spirit and you shall walk in my commandments. So it's the Holy Ghost that causes your life to start lining up to the word more perfectly. We'll never be perfect. We always need the blood of Jesus Christ, but more perfectly. That's right. Amen. Uh, Jeff, got anything Purpose to say? Purpose of the Holy Spirit is to lead and guide you into all truth. Amen. Not to, uh, to tickle your senses. The, the reason for the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to lead you to the word. Jesus said, when the spirit of truth comes, he shall lead and guide you into all truth. So the evidence of the Holy Ghost is not tongues or sensations or emotions, although that may very well accompany the infilling of the Holy Ghost, and it may not. But the evidence of the Holy Ghost is being able to receive the word for your day. That's the evidence of the Holy Ghost. And when we use the word for your day, that means that God is forever unveiling more. Those of you that are old enough can look back through church history and say, yeah, Luther had truth, but Wesley had more. Wesley had truth, but Pentecost, the Baptists, the Anabaptists, they even had more. Do we do away with Luther's truth? No, we embrace it. It's true. We embrace Wesley's truth. It's true. We embrace the Anabaptist movement of being baptized by immersion in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those are all things that were lost during the Dark Ages that have been restored. But we want to keep walking in the Word. And the fallacy of denominationalism is it stops you from doing that because, after all, I'm a Lutheran or I'm a Wesleyan. We don't want to do that. You want to keep moving in that revealed word as God makes it more plain to you, as God makes it more real to you. It could be as simple as sitting in a restaurant. Somebody's sitting behind you and they're reading their Bible and they're having a Bible study and you overhear something. And you say, you know what? That's not according to my church tradition. I, I've never heard that before. Maybe you were baptized in the name of titles, Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And nobody in the Bible was baptized in titles, not a person in the Bible. And so you're, eating, you're hearing this man at the, at, the, at the table reading out of the scriptures concerning being baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's explaining. And you begin to be pricked in your heart. Well, I was baptized in titles. Does it really matter? Does God really care? You turn around from your table. You get up. You sit down over there and say, tell me more. I want to know more truth. And that's exactly what happened to Philip on the, in the book of Acts. We find that uh, this man was just desirous more truth, an Ethiopian eunuch. 
and he was hungry. He was reading out of Isaiah chapter 53, this person that was bruised for iniquities and chastisement of his peace was upon him. And the Ethiopian eunuch was saying, who's this man speaking of? And Philip come running alongside. And he says, do you understand what you read? He says, no, how can I except some man teach me? He didn't say, the, the eunuch didn't say, hey, I'm in my church and my grandmother was in this church, my great-grandmother's. No, this man was on a quest for more word, for more truth. And in doing so, God sent a messenger alongside because this, if you're a seeker of truth, God will send somebody right alongside of you. Perhaps it's this service right now. Perhaps it's, it's this television broadcast right now that you're watching. And God is saying, these people have more truth. Don't follow us. We're not asking you to follow us. Follow the scriptures as they're being revealed. This eunuch got so excited when he found out that Jesus Christ fulfilled Isaiah chapter 53. And he said, what doth hinder me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, thou mayest. And he took him down to the water and he baptized him in the name of the Lord Jesus. Not Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Nobody. So this man at the table at breakfast says, oh my, I've been baptized wrong. Then he has to wrestle with his tradition. Do I believe my tradition? What I've been taught by my priests and my pastors? Or do I believe the word of God? Then he has to accept the word. And if he accepts that word, you know what he'll do? He'll go back to his priest. He'll go back to his pastor. He'll say, hey, let me show you something in the Word. And if that pastor has any more hunger for God, that pastor will receive it. Or maybe he won't. Paul the Apostle went back to his old churches. <laughs> they wouldn't receive it. And they wouldn't receive it. No. Everywhere Paul went, he started riots. Didn't want to, but he wanted to show, explore, express more truth. But the church system said, no, that's the fallacy of denominationalism. Not the people in the system, not the people in the denominations. The government of denominations hinders the Spirit of God from moving on. Amen. Right. And we've touched on that many times, viewing audience. You know that. And we, we're not trying to start wars, and yet in a way we are. But we're, we're, we're not really against people. That's the whole thing. Don't, don't ever think that. We're not against people. There's good people in all those systems. Right. But we're, we're wanting, we're desiring to bring you into what we call the third exodus, which is coming out of church systems into Christ because that's what's going to be the uh, foolish virgin, wise and foolish virgins heard a call, come out. Revelations 18, 4 says, come out of her, my people, and be not a partaker of her plagues. Somewhere that has to be fulfilled. We're telling you, this is the day. Now, when we talk about a rapture, the rapture then we talked about is the division between the people going to remain for the tribulation and the people who are going to go in a rapture. And I want to just read you one that is a very controversial scripture, but I hope I can give you a little understanding. It's out of Revelations chapter 20. So we'll just read several verses here, so bear, bear with me just a moment. I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. So now there's our 1,000 year millennium that we often talk about when Christ will rule and reign on earth. And cast him into a bottomless pit, shut him up, set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. After that, he must be loosed for a little season. So Satan is bound for the 1,000 year reign of Christ on earth. At the end, we'll find that he's loosed and then he stirs up this battle of Gog and Magog. And then it's, here's, the, here's the controversial verse, this one and the next one. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. 
And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their forehead or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. So now this sounds like the tribulation people are going to rule and reign with Christ. So they say, ah, see, the church does go through the tribulation, but not so. And what, what the failure is in understanding this scripture is the mark of the beast comes into final manifestation in this age, but the mark of the beast has always been mm -hmm. because anything that you choose over the word of God, you choose a religious system that doesn't teach you the full word, and you choose that rather than your Bible, rather than the word, you receive a mark right here. And this ties right back in the Old Testament to the year of Jubilee. And at the year of Jubilee, the slaves that were in bondage were offered the opportunity to go free. And many times we are ourselves in bondage to our church system. Right. And so this slave then, he may love his master very much and be very happy with his master. And so he says, no, 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 I, I don't want to take my uh, freedom. I choose to continue to serve my master. That's fine. He can make that choice. Then he was taken down to the temple and an awl was pierced through his ear. Now that's symbolism because he was going to be marked then that he would never again have an opportunity to receive his freedom. So then in the New Testament, your freedom is you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And so then when we hear the truth, could receive our freedom, we may say to our denominational master, no, I love my master. He provides my salary. He provides my house. He provides my health insurance. He provides all these things. I choose to serve my master rather than take the liberty that is offered to me by the fullness of the word, fine. Then you are spiritually marked in your ear. You will be deaf to the truth and you will never again have your opportunity to hear the word. You will always hear it through the filter of what your system says rather than directly from the word of God. Mm. We're running close on a closeout here. We've only got 40 seconds, Jeff, if you want to Speak to the people right over there. Have you sure. got anything you wanted to add right sure. into the big camera there? Yep. And that is, is that we find that uh, in Thessalonians, it says those that have a love for truth. And there's a group that don't have a love for truth. And the scripture says, because they received not a love for the truth, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to believe and swallow a delusion. So can a people then be trapped in a system of belief in which they actually believe a lie, and the scripture is very clear about that. Maybe perhaps we'll talk more about that later. Don't get trapped in the lie. Believe the truth, read your Bible, pray. God bless you. To receive a DVD of today's broadcast, The Wise and Foolish Virgin, write to the address on your screen or visit our website at globalanswers.us. May our Lord Jesus Christ richly 